The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing in the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks. What are you so shipper? I'm really, I'm just, I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. Oh, um, what a last minute equaliser will do to you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wasn't so much that. I was uh, I was in Frankfurt this weekend at the book fair. It is always lovely getting the train from Berlin to Frankfurt. For those who haven't had the joy of going through the German countryside, Thuringia and Hessen are stunning, especially in autumn. And I went and it was sunny and like, you've got those, you know, when like when autumn's there and you've got like three different colors of leaves going through the cycle, I mean, oh my goodness. Trees, the color of flame. It was gorgeous. Four hours of that. So four hours of a gorgeous train journey, then at the book fair for a day. So that's why I'm so happy because I spent sort of a weekend talking books and watching football, which is basically the perfect, is that my Venn diagram? How lovely. <laughs> was the yeah, train, was, did the train go on time? Yeah, it did. Perfect. What? Do you know, this is no the funny way. thing. I know, not to be like propaganda for German transport, but here's the thing, right? They've got that really cheap train travel now. Not just the nine euro thing, but they've actually got like a rival service. The train is really high quality. Um, they've done that. They've done a really good job. And I just thought to myself, this is how people should live. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I think, that, you know, because I'm in the UK at the moment and the bar is yeah. low, right? Yeah, yeah. We actually got there seven minutes early. No way. I know, I know, I know. That's wild. The guy actually apologized. It was wild because like, a few people wanted to go for a bathroom break. And they were scrambling for their bags because the driver was actually like, no, no, we're seven minutes early. So everyone's like sprinting. I don't, I don't exit. think I've had a train in Germany arrive seven minutes early since before I moved there. And I think one of the, that was one of the things I was just like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like German trains are great. And then I got there and I felt like I've been catfished. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> well, I, I've been lucky. My trains are generally on time, but you know, I've been lucky. Oh, how, well, how was, metaphorically. How was yes. <laughs> spiritually, literally. <laughs> spiritually. God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my, my, my weekend was great. Thanks, man. Lovely. Uh, All good. 
Lovely. Glad just, to hear uh, it. Some family time. Oh, it's great. Oh, always lovely. Um, apologies if uh, you can hear any construction in the background. It seems that no matter what hotel I stay in, mm. the construction follows me around. I mean, to be honest, we're all kind of under construction anyway, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. But you know, like how some people like in the cartoons, like a black, like a black rain cloud will just follow them around. <laughs> right. And I feel like just this construction is following me around. <laughs> just, <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm at home or on the road. It's just this, it's just like. It's a scaffolding icon above your head. Can yeah. you imagine if this was actually like, I'm actually being secretly filmed for some TV prank thing. And uh, they've just well, played the honest, long game. Ryan, I've long believed that we're all Sims, so that would completely oh, track. That would track with everything I've experienced this so is far. the worst Truman Show. I was just like, <laughs> God. Why, why do I get the construction? I'd rather have the fake sunsets. Like in a parallel universe, there's, there's like versions of us with like really exciting lives. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, where someone asked me if I want to do a podcast and I'm like, no. Can you imagine? <laughs> do I look like someone to do a podcast? Hello. He says we're jumping onto a jet ski and disappearing into a black hole, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. We've got some news. We do. Oh, this is exciting. So, long story short, Manchester Laces, who you may be aware of, you may not, they're part of the Laces network of clubs. And they are the first ever inclusive women's and non-binary football club in Manchester. They were the winners of the National Grassroots Club of the Year 2022. And their new shirts, Home and Away, will have Stadio on the front of them. So excited by this. So happy. We're involved in this wonderful project with the Manchester yep. Laces and Avery Dennison. So should we, let's just do, we're going yeah. we're we're to do a mail out we'll this week for, and we're going to yeah. post loads of stuff yeah. on socials as well. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, there you go. Mail out is back. Yes. Avery Dennison, it's um, an organisation where apparel and apparel marketing teams reside. And uh, our good friend Aaron Durand, who's a long time listener of Stadio, is, uh, is in the team sports marketing. He's the team sports marketing manager at Avery Dennison. And basically Avery um, supply clubs and leagues with the names and numbers, sponsorship, logos, etc. And they also support on individual club font design. So Premier League names, numbers, Premier, Premier League sleeve badges, Avery Dennison, MLS, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, J-League, loads of others as well. Avery Dennison is set to become the official sponsor of both Manchester Laces and South London Laces. The sponsorship fee covers playing costs, pitch fees, FA fees, and a lot more for both clubs. And um, they're donating the front of the shirt sponsorship space. And for Manchester Laces, it's Stadio. And it makes a lot of sense for us because A, what the club stands for, B, that they're in Manchester, and obviously I grew up in Manchester. I'm currently in Manchester right this second. Amazing. On launch day. How good is that? I'm going to walk up to Oldham Road in Ancoats and see the big billboard. Love it. Love to see it. Yeah, they put a billboard up, haven't they? Yeah, digital billboard. Uh, Moose is obviously a Manchester United fan. I'm indeed, for my sins. So there's a lot in this that, mean, that means a lot to us. Um, we really want to thank Aaron and thank Avery Dennison for thinking of us and, you know, pitching this to us because it's a real honour for us to be involved and we got to go and meet the gang a few weeks ago and we got to see the kits for the first time and it was just really fun, had a little bit of a kickabout with them. Yeah, great fun. We will... Post some more information either on the mail out or online once it's been officially announced through Manchester Laces. And 
Yeah, we're just super excited about it. So we want to say thanks to Aaron, thanks to Avery Denson, thanks to Helen Hardy, and all the Manchester Laces crew. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about it is like all come really organically. So um, Aaron yeah. was listening to Stadio back in, I think, 2019. Mm. And then it's actually, we can actually blame Flo Lloyd Hughes for this because, yeah, because the chaos, the chaos agent she is. So he was listening to Stadio and Mighty's house and he, he basically heard Flo mention that she couldn't get hold of a particular shirt. I think it was the Tobin Heath shirt, the Arsenal shirt. It was the, right yeah, it was the, the uh, yeah, the, the women's, the WSL font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she couldn't get it. And so Aaron was like, well, get in touch with Flo. And they had a bit of a chat. And they ended up getting in touch with Foudy's uh, run by Helen. And Helen plays for the Manchester Laces. And so it, it's all really organic. And the thing is, you know, with this stuff, you know, we, not to sort of um, put too fine a point in it, but it's always about fit with these things. You always want mm. to like, work with organizations that really match what you're doing. And the moment it was suggested to us, it immediately was like, yeah, 100%. yeah, it just made so much sense and really exciting. Um, obviously for me on a personal level, having played for Stonewall, um, to be able to do something in this space again, is just really exciting. Cause you know, we've always said like football's for everyone. And we turned up that day in Manchester and I just thought, oh my goodness, this is, um, it was actually quite moving. It's quite moving. Uh, do you know why it was so moving was because the sun was out. And it had been out oh, yeah. all day. Yeah. It was yeah. one of Manchester's 11 days of sunshine in a year. <laughs> it was a beautiful afternoon and evening. They'd been there all day doing shoots and kickabouts and stuff for the, for the launch. And <laughs> everyone was just super lovely. And yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. It's a real honour for us to be on the shirt for a club that stands for what they stand for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially at a time like now, you know, when people are really going through it. So, um, from those communities in particular. So uh, yeah, really, really glad to, um, to be involved. Me Thanks to everyone. Too. Yeah, good times. Keep an eye out for the Stadio socials and we will post links to all the, all the places you can yeah. see more stuff and buy and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, so we should get on to today's show. Yeah, it was a little bit of happened though first. Uh, right, his house this week. Right, he's back. After going to the US and to New Zealand, he is back. And yes. he's ready to pod. <laughs> Very um, much so. He's going to be joined by your good self and Florence Lloyd Hughes. Oh, poor guy, man. Coming back off jet lag from New Zealand, he's got to deal with you two. <laughs> and oh. at the deep end. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll give him no quarter. That will go up Tuesday afternoon, evening. Um, other bits of admin? Yeah. Um, ringer.com forward slash soccer. So, We'll be working on stuff uh, on pieces around the World Cup in Qatar. Um, the first of those pieces is going up fairly soon. So I'll be writing it and without giving too much away about it, it's basically going to be a series of connected essays. So a series of linked essays about what a World Cup means um, and the types of, well, the archetypes you'll find at a typical World Cup. So yeah, that's uh, going to be going up at some point. My first essay is going up at some point this week and then of course you'll be chipping in uh with different bits and pieces throughout the tournament i'll try you'll succeed you've never <laughs> you've never failed us before ryan oh i have uh anyway um <laughs> on to today's show <laughs> we're gonna talk it's gonna be a bit of a not a weird one i suppose but we're, we're, we're gonna try and round up as much stuff as possible but we're gonna maybe use we asked for some questions and we might use the questions to shape some of the stuff that we were gonna we want to talk about we're gonna talk about villa's new uh, Villa's no manager bounce mm. and a little bit about Gerard because Stephen Gerard got fired by Villa not long after we posted Thursday's episode and I think it's quite an interesting uh, 
firing actually and leaves Gerard in quite an interesting position so I think that we should probably talk about that because it is I th- yeah so it's, uh, it's an it's an interesting twist in the Steven Gerrard managerial tale very much so yeah 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 um we'll touch on some big games around Europe quickly mm. and I reckon that might do it for today yeah yeah uh, so let's get into it after this let's do it This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Before we go to the Premier League, can I just quickly shout out the NWSL playoffs? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Where there was a record crowd in Portland to see the Thorns 2-1 win over San Diego Wave. Um, 22,035, which is the second largest playoff crowd ever in NWSL history. Which was pretty amazing. Uh, Kansas City current beat OL Reign 2-0 as well to set up the final, final Sunday, between the 30th, yeah. themselves and Portland Thorns. That's on, yeah, Sunday night next week. Well, Saturday Saturday night, Sunday morning, European time. Also, it's the MLS playoffs at the moment as well. And since we last spoke, Philadelphia Union beat Cincinnati 1-0. LAFC won El Trafico. <laughs> so it's they never going to not be funny. They I beat LA Galaxy 3-2. And New York City FC beat Montreal 3-1 in Montreal. And... Austin FC beat FC Dallas 2-1. So that means that LAFC will face Austin in the West Coast in the Western Conference Finals and Philadelphia will face New York City in the East before the winners face each other. You know, one thing I love about American sport is the, the conferences. Just the East versus West, the, le- the energy of it. Right, let's go to the Premier League. Let's do it. Some big results this weekend. Spurs losing at home for the first time this season to Newcastle. Another yeah. Miguel Almiron goal. Yes. And not just a normal, he's not scoring normal ones either. He's no, scoring he's like bangers. <laughs> um, we had some questions about Spurs. Oh yeah, yeah here you go. Um, Simbarashi Cha said, should Spurs fans be alarmed? And I think, I'm going to keep it brief on Spurs, but mm. I don't think alarmed. It was interesting to hear the booze ringing out. Mm. at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. In fact, there were a lot of boos around this weekend. It's boo mm. season. Yeah. And it's not just because it's Halloween coming up. Oh my God. There, look at that. Look at that segue. Goodness me. He's untouchable this morning. <laughs> Goodness. Wow, I should do a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> they won't be able to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never log out. <laughs> I'll never not pod. Um, 
but it is boo season, isn't it? Had it with Gerard last last week, yeah, and then he got fired. But Ellen Road this week at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well. I think with Spurs, it's obviously not playing as well as we think that they can play with the personnel that they have. But also this weekend, they had they were missing. They've been missing a lot of key players. Not a lot of key players, but they've been missing a few key key players for a while. Mm. They've obviously been missing Richarlison recently, Kulisevsky for a little bit now. They were missing a lot more this weekend. Romero was out, Bentancur was out, Hoybier was out, mm. in addition to Richarlison and Kulisevsky. Yeah, and I think absences. you just kind of saw it. So there were, there, I think this is the time of year, and not wanting to take anything away from Newcastle on the pitch, but this is the type time of year where, you know how in the NBA you get those, the fifth game in a five-game road trip, mm. that's a scheduled yeah. loss. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're getting to the point in the Premier League, I think now, and in most leagues around Europe, where occasionally fatigue has started to kick in because of the so three games many a matches. week. And you know I think really occasionally weird? people are going to drop points. That's why the Arsenal game, for example, at Southampton, I think is a totally... Mm. There, there are obviously things that could have done Arsenal could have done better. Same with Spurs here. But in the context of everything, I don't think it's a massively bad result. No, and actually I want to just say this quickly. Do you remember how like uh, about a couple of months ago, people looked at the October schedule and everyone was freaking out. They were like, oh my yeah. goodness. And now look, we've totally normalised it. Yeah. Like no one's even... I've not had... I've heard some comments about, oh, player fatigue. But I haven't seen many people, and this is, I'm including myself, I haven't seen many people really go out there and be like, why the hell are there so many games just before the World Cup? Like we're seeing these injuries, we're seeing people being put out for like the whole tournament. I mean, Varane looked bad. I mean, there are some, yeah, and this is, I don't know, again, like, you know, like we said before, what are we doing? This is a really interesting, I know, I know that like, it's a very European-centric thing, this, because obviously major tournaments happen all around the world Yes, yes. in the middle of their seasons or in the winter for them. The problem is you're going into a very key period in a very intense league where you are all of a sudden faced with, okay, I've, this is a really key period, part of the season for the club. But also, I need to make sure I'm fit if I'm going to go to this World Cup in a month. Mm. Three weeks now. Not yeah. It's bizarre. It's a real head fuck, I think. And I think this, I don't know if I'm just being a little bit overdramatic, but a load of people, I, I heard the eyes roll then. No, 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 you didn't. No, you I didn't. did. I Keep heard going. the eyes roll of the people who haven't even listened to this yet. Well, listen, Whoa, the eyes are rolling. Listen. Trippy shit. Anyway. Well, listen, listen, when the eyes are rolling, that's when I push in the same direction as the rolling eyes. The eyes are rolling. So, they hated. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Basically, I think that the last few seasons of club football, domestic football, have been wild and for mm. different reasons each season. Mm. And it's kind of a bit of a, an extension into the wider world. Like you see stuff politically in the UK at the moment and, and around the world. The, what, has, what would have been outrageous five, ten years ago is now normal. And it's yes. the same in football. And I think yes. that that's why I don't want to downplay anything that happens this season, but I think that there is, there are going to be so much, each season there are variables when you're operating at such an elite level that must be just obscenely hard to control. And I think yes. that that's why, for example, in a very, very long winded way, I would say that if I was a Spurs fan at the moment, I wouldn't be alarmed. But I think that, for example, I don't think it's quite as bad, maybe but I definitely think there's stuff there to be concerned about should everyone return fit and the same patterns yeah. to keep happening. I'll keep, I'll keep 
banging on this, but I do think there's a slight depth issue with Spurs in terms of creativity. I do think that. I think yeah. one extra player, like uh, I know Lacelso didn't work out. I get it. I'm not trying to expl- I'm not trying to say that he was the right fit, but I think a player in that mold, um, yeah. one extra player, in, and I don't think it's much for Spurs. I don't think it's much, but one extra player in that mold, I think, makes a big difference. Yeah, or like if all of a sudden someone like Hoybier, when when fit, started to become way more of a goal threat. You know, like um, yeah. I don't want to kind of compare and contrast too much between them, but you know how like all of a sudden Granit Xhaka is just like a goal machine. Yeah, absolutely. If Spurs can add a little bit, a few more goals from midfield or a few more bits of creativity from midfield, they will be fine. I think that's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. I still think they're more than good enough to qualify for top four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for Newcastle, they were pretty good value for that win. I thought so. Very resilient. Um, and he's just getting, he's getting the maximum out of that, out of that lineup. I mean, bear in mind, they're doing all of this without Alexander Izak as well. Who's, well, this is, the, this is the thing, actually. This is the thing. Um, Obviously, you know, the, 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 the full weight of their investment is, is, is some way away. And the fact yeah. that there was it, one five, drawn six, lost one. Mm. That is like really, really solid. Especially the thing I think is interesting is the draws. We saw that there are teams that you might expect to be low down the table that are not so good at getting draws um, in certain games. And they, they've got some resilience there. So that's interesting. Uh, but the Premier League, I thought, was really interesting Fun enough, lower, it was more interesting lower down the table. Yeah, I thought so as well. It feels like, you know, the whole thing about the booze and the chaos, I think it's because a lot of those teams in the lower part of the table have got very sharply shifting fortunes, mm. right? So Forest beating Liverpool obviously is a huge confidence boost. Huge. We have to add the caveat of Liverpool having absentees, but they still put out a good team. Mm-hmm. And Forest, I thought, they could have, could have won 2-0. Um, Awani with the winner. And just in general, Really, really impressive from, from Forrest, I thought. Um, and then you've got, you know, Fulham, who are just punching through, who've been really interesting. Mm. Leicester beating Wolves 4-0. Like, and then but the, the, the stand-up result, almost, I could argue, is evidence win over Crystal Palace. Can I just say this, right? Because Frank Lampard has been criticised with varying levels of concern and glee, let's be honest. Uh, but the way he coached Everton against Crystal Palace, against, you know, a really so good, good side. A very fun palace. Everton yeah. were fun. And I cannot remember the last time I looked at Everton and thought, wow, like you're fully fun. Like not just like in patches, like, <laughs> but consistently enjoyable and playing gorgeous football and, and liberated actually. It's really funny because really when exciting. people ask me what you're like, I say fully fun. Oh my goodness. Musa, he's fully ah, fun. Ah, um, ah, we had a couple of questions on Everton, Strowman Breeding and Jack, Jack Daddy, if that's your real name. Oh my well goodness, done. lucky you. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, lucky for some. Everton, a fluke? Legend. Or are we Alex Awobi's team now? And Jack says, is Alex Awobi the most underrated Premier in the, uh, sorry, is Alex Awobi the most underrated player in the Premier League? Not anymore. No, he's not. Maybe it's, not a, is it Awobi's law? Is that Awobi's law, exactly. Now he's rated, <laughs> he's so underrated, now he's rated. Um, look, I just think, you know, what they did, I mean, Dwight McNeil breaking lines with the dribbles, Iwobi just controlling the play from I deep. I love Dwight McNeil. I love, I love him. Lovely player. He's really great. Uh, he's really great. Yeah. But Lampard's just got them playing with fluidity and confidence and they just have to keep going in that direction. There'll be other challenges, but when you've got Calvert-Lewin scoring a goal like he did to open. Mm. Oh, this goal just got, was so got, good. I, like, I, I don't know who it was. Sorry to cut in, but he yeah, just sure. kind of, he megged the guy and then pushed him over. That's Unreal. like. Oh. That's a vibe. That's a vibe. That's, that's mean. That's what it is. That's I mean, mean. I, 
I was here for it. I was here for it. <laughs> of I got course a- you were. <laughs> Can I say as well, Iwobi's back heel to Dwight McNeil for his goal. Iwobi's was, always had that in him though. Do you know what I love about that though? It was like he'd done all the like simple stuff in the game. Mm-hmm. He'd done all the simple stuff, all the kind of like move the ball on, lower down the pitch to build the play up. And then he like, let's have a bit of fun. Let's have a bit of fantasy. And the fact that McNeil read exactly what his intention was, I love that because their understanding is so good. So yeah, yeah. just, you know, isn't it really nice to be able to say Everton were a joy to watch? Because yeah. they're one of those, yeah, it's just, it's just so nice to be able to say that, like considering what they've had to struggle through in previous they need a stress. They need a relatively stress-free season, everything, because they've really been through it the last few years. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And uh, I think if I mean, they could do with scoring a few more goals, mm. but they seem to be a little bit more, just a little bit more calm this year. Mm. And I hope, I hope they do okay, because I think we've we've both got a bit of a soft spot for Everton. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Elsewhere, Man City beat quite impressive Brighton three-one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More uh, two more goals for Holland and a great goal from Kevin De Bruyne. But Brighton were, were pretty decent. Trossard's yeah, yeah. goal was absolutely unbelievable. And Ripped it, yeah. Zerbi going one-on-one. <laughs> I quite like this tactic. We've seen it a couple of times before in the last couple of years. And sometimes it looks really silly and sometimes it looks quite good. And I actually think Brighton did it pretty well. Mm. And against 90% of teams... It works. It would have worked. I think the difference is you've got Edison who sprays a ball forward. Haaland pulls off the shoulder of the last defender, makes this unbelievable run, and he's through. I mean, and to be honest, just... that was like that was like watching the man try to stop an avalanche. <laughs> you know, really, like when he was because when Holland is going at that speed, mm. it is basically like it's like a five-ton boulder. It yeah. really is, and you, and you saw because even the angle, even not to be too critical of the poor defender that had to face that, but when I saw the angle of the defender's run, I was like, "Listen, you were going to be cooked before you started this foot race, but you're definitely cooked now." Because the angle of the run he took was so shallow that Holland just like absolutely way late in. He should Lola. have been really dramatic, like an NBA defender and just taken the charge. He should have planted his feet. <laughs> he should have planted his feet. Well, like Hugo Lloris tried to do. To, <laughs> <laughs> Hugo Lloris tried to James Harden his way to a foul outside When Holland runs towards you, you should plant your feet and then just jack your life yourself into the air like a dying salmon <laughs> trying to go up. <laughs> like that salmon celebration on FIFA. Yeah, you need <laughs> to do that. You need to do that. Just jack life yourself. And then There's, halfway, when you're falling to the ground, be like, I have a family. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them I love them. <laughs> uh, so obviously City closed the gap on Arsenal at the top. Um, mm. We mentioned Forrest's big win over Liverpool. Yeah. Um, One thing about, very quickly on Liverpool, um, it will get lost maybe in some of the noise. There was some incredible goalkeeping in this match from Alisson. Unbelievable. And also at the other end. Yeah, Henderson was superb. And there were a couple of, there's actually one point where one of the players actually mouthed, I think it was, was it Yates, was like, that was unbelievable. Alisson makes this unbelievable save and, and Yates is just like, in the middle of a match, just going gasping at the brilliance of That's it. so good. But I, I want to say this because um, Liverpool obviously lost to Forrest, but they did start with Jones, Elliot and Carvalho mm-hmm. midfield, who did some really beautiful stuff, actually. Carvalho did some really impressive stuff. And it, it was really nice to see Klopp using those players. Mm. Um, and playing with some style. I mean, I reckon, you know, they, they fell short in this game, but I wouldn't say that was due to the younger players in the side. It felt like, actually, if I'm, if I'm going to be frank, it felt like uh, everyone just kind of had that moment to have an off day. Salah had a slight off day, was a bit out of sync. Van Dijk wasn't quite on with um, one of the headers in the first half. It was just that everyone, you know, like, but it happens in football. You know those days when, like, everyone's just not quite on it. 
not mm. for lack of effort, but just like things aren't going. And it just felt like for Liverpool, too many of their sort of leading players were kind of just not on their rhythm at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, but, but, but credit to Forrest for breaking them out of that rhythm. And Awani, much we saw, win as well, off the bottom of the table. See, we did see a couple of, and this is just very quickly on this before I move on from this. Um, we did see a couple of really old school centre forward performances in Europe this weekend. We saw Ossiman for Napoli against Roma, but we also saw Awani, and it was like really old school, just leading the line, mm-hmm. driving out of position, playmaking, great decisions on the break. So yeah, really nice weekend for old school centre forwards. I liked Awani not celebrating on the goal, but absolutely going for it at full time. I liked him <laughs> not celebrating, but still shouting stuff under his yeah. breath, like yeah. under his breath, muttering, yeah, yeah. because Love obviously that. he owes, you know, I think yeah, there's a special relationship with Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like about that, Liverpool scouted him and he was there obviously for a while, even though yeah. he didn't come through the first team. And yeah, it was, it was kind of, yeah, it was nice. It was um, lovely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Leicester beating Wolves 4-0, unbelievable mm. result for Leicester, poor result for Wolves. They just can't, they can't score goals, man. But um, on the Wolves thing quickly, well, Wolves related, we had a question from uh, Xavier Proctor who said, what do you think about the Mick Beal situation at QPR? I'm assuming that it's referring to this because he apparently went and talked to Wolves. I'm not sure whether that was club sanctioned. I assume it was, they have to come to the club first. But he decided to turn them down and stay at QPR, who are currently top of the championship and are doing pretty good things under Mick Beale. And I liked his, he, he did a, he answered a question about it saying, um, you know, that is the goal to be in the Premier League, but I wouldn't, you know, we should do it as a group or something like that. We want to do it at the QPR. And mm. I think it's really smart. It's a really smart move for him that because he's not been at QPR that long. Uh, and he, he is a key character in the Stephen Gerrard saga that we mm. will talk about in a little bit. But um, he's building something at the QPR. Yeah, he's and also something. I think it's it, it's a huge risk to make a jump like that so soon. And I think he's made the I think he's made the right choice. By I completely, I completely agree. I completely agree. Mm. But um, some good goals in this game. James Madison, lovely goal as well. And Yuri Tielemans, oh my god, man! I think Yuri yeah. Tielemans only scores worldies. That's right. And that's right. Yeah. Oh, such a good there's goal. There's a great. There's a great Sid Low piece. Um, interview with uh, Ronaldo, uh, the, Ronaldo. the phenomenon uh, in the Guardian where they do, they, they talk and they say, look, like a fifth of your goals are basically going around the keeper one-on-one. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. And I think that's the same thing with like um, Tielemans, like just a ridiculous high proportion of his goals are just like 20 yard, just absolute fire. Fire. Yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. Let it burn. <laughs> That's good. I like it. It's good. Good vibes. I want to find this question. Question. <laughs> yes, <is> again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. That's great. Keep, keep going. Uh, Chelsea won, Manchester United won mm. at Stamford Bridge. Um, not a wild game. Not really, not a, no. Apart from the, la- for the last 10, 15 minutes. But Ross Key says, is there an argument to be made that United's performance against Chelsea is more encouraging than the one against Spurs? Due to the ability to change tactics and shape during the game in response to Chelsea, can't remember the last time they did that. Interesting. I mean, obviously, the the after our little brief discussion about Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo on Thursday's show, he was dropped out, dropped from the squad for mm. the Chelsea game. I think United were pretty decent. Des- I think they deserved yeah. the equaliser. I still think the Spurs victory was more impressive, just because of the total the control. Yeah, the control, and that's mm. the thing. You know, to control the game from start to finish against an opposition that quality is something. Um, I'm slightly, 
there should be more faith in Marcus Rashford. I saw some talk about wanting to get Ossiman at Old Trafford. I was like, Rashford's good enough and he's right there. Mm. Rashford's good enough and he's right there. Like, and there were, there were concerns over the finishing against Chelsea and I get that. At the same time, we've seen this. Finishing is often the last thing to come to a side building its confidence. Yeah. And the goals start flying in. Look at Calvert-Lewin. If you build up the rest of a player's game, the goals come. So I just think there's an element of, like, have some faith in this. It's a chaotic league. A lot's going to change for the end of the season. And chance, United will create a quality of chance that will start seeing them score repeatedly. The challenge for players like Rashford and Martial has been, they have been feeding off scraps for a lot of their time at United. Mm. And they're at a club now, they're at a club now where the manager, the coach has a clear way of playing and we will see chance creation. I just think there's an element of having to have faith. There's a thing with United fans, I think at the moment of like, is the anxiety of will we ever get back to the mountaintop? Mm. And I'm going to use a phrase that has been much parody, but it's actually impro- it's important. It's, it's actually trust the process. I you actually have sufferings necessary. <laughs> no, not <again. laughs> Let's move on to Villa. And we'll use yeah. that with a question from D5s who said, is there a better example of the Premier League becoming an anything can happen league? Man City notwithstanding. Then Brentford keeping clean sheets against both Brighton and Chelsea began demolished by Villa and their no manager bounce over the last eight days. So Villa beating uh, Brentford 4-0. Thomas Frank after the game was really... I love Thomas Frank's interviews when Brentford lose. I love them. Such a specific genre. Well, how come? What's the... Uh... Because he's just like... He's always, he always just says congratulations to like whoever it is. So he was just like... Yeah, they just, uh, they, he said something like, what happens there? He was just like, we were 3-0 down in 14 minutes. Congratulations to Aston Villa. They were really good. We weren't very good. It was the set-piece goals that really pissed me off the most. Mm. And I love that about Thomas Frank. Like, even when they... It's disarming, isn't it? When they went on that run, that really bad run, but there were a few performances in there that were really good. I think I referenced it a couple of times on, on Stadio. He yeah. would just say, I really loved the performance. The result was bad, but the performance is thing that's... And I think that's really... That's really good. Just kind of stops, it takes all the drama out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but let's switch to Villa because Villa were so, so good, as Pet would say. Yes. There was just so much, uh, there's a lot of talk about how Villa have invested money, uh, the Greedish money. Oh, mm. has it invested badly? No, I, I think those are really good players. Brendia, Bailey and Ings, I think are really good Premier League players who can deliver. And I look at the I look like I look at the Aston Villa squad, and I looked at it, and I, I must admit, when I saw Gerard being appointed, and the noises he was making, I thought he could bring something out of them. It was really good. And actually, there's a really good piece in Athletic about, um, you know, sort of Gerard's downfall and things that went wrong. And I almost feel like that's by uh, Greg Evans, by the way. Yeah, Greg Evans. Greg Evans did a great job there. I think it's almost a matter of just taking a bit of a deep breath and going. These things happen, unfortunately. Mm. Gerard had had an impressive lead up to his appointment. He was impressive at Rangers. He did, you know, genuinely imp- a genuinely impressive job there. He made a lot of the right noises. He helped recruit some fantastic players to Villa and they built a really good squad. But the problem is that he couldn't make his ideas work. He couldn't. Yeah. There's, 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 a, there's a man management issue. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But there's also, I think it's easy to underestimate. Look, we've said before, this is a coaches league in the Premier League, right? Mm. You are coaching You've got Deserby one week and you've got Pep the next week and you've got Frank. I mean, you've got Potter, you've got, you know, Eddie Howe. These are exceptional. Like even Klopp, Arteta now. Like, you have, yeah. yeah, you have, you have, you have, you have at the very least. Conte. Very, very good coaches to exceptional, to all time greats. 
in the same league, right? It's Every wild. week. Right, that's one. So it is no place to, it's no place you can get up to speed quickly. You're either at it or you're not. And you see the performance they put in, the 4-0. We've talked, everything is a step quicker. The fluidity. Mm. Everyone's where they want to be playing. And the combination of the players are just absolutely nailed on. And I think there's an element of, and this is something Greg Evans wrote about really, really well. I don't want to overstate this too much, but there's an element where the way you deal with things as a player, it doesn't work. Or there's not like a one size fits all for management. So some players will respond very well to being called out and directness, but other players actually will like, can you protect me from this? Yeah. Because I operate differently. I think the problem that Gerard maybe had, it seems from Greg Evans' piece, it's an excellent piece, is that there was an element of like one size fits all. You know, I, I will front up, I will take responsibility as a manager, which is what I did as a player. So others should take that. I had a question from Jack Allen and he said, did Villa's squad just really not like Stevie G's coaching? And I think this is an interesting point because I thought, and we, we talked about it on Stadio actually, that even though maybe uh, results weren't unbelievable, mm. there were glimpses in that early stage of, of Steven Gerrard's tenure mm. where we were really impressed with what Villa were doing in yeah. terms of not necessarily the final, um, the word, not their final form, but we, we saw glimpses there where we were like, okay, these players seem like they're actually responding to Gerard as a coach and maybe that upping in intensity, which is something that was widely reported at the time. And Greg Evans talked about it again in his piece. And it seemed to be a little bit like, okay, I think this is going to work long-term. I don't mm. think they're going to, you know, win the, win the league or even finish in the Champions League. But I was, there were points where I was watching Villa and I was like, if they're smart here, mm. And Gerard continues his development as a coach that we think he's, his path looks like it's going to go down. Mm. They could potentially get into Europe. You know, they're a huge club yeah. with a massive history. They've got pretty good financial backing and they have some good players. The problem was, I think, that when the, when the, bad, when the bad results happened or the bad performances happened, I think it was... Gerard did a similar thing to, to what Lampard did at Chelsea, actually. I found it that after that, it was when I started to lose faith a little bit. Mm. They had that period where they were, not towards the end of last season, but just after New Year, I think it was, or maybe in February, where they, they looked pretty good. And actually it was like, okay, maybe this is going to work. But then it seemed to be like, hmm. What's the, I don't know. I think it was, there's a lot of like separation. There was a lot of separation between himself as an individual and the squad mm. as a squad. Mm. And if you look at the top, top managers, that doesn't tend to happen quite as regularly as it does That's, with... Lampard is not doing that so much this year. And he's not. No, he's, he's not. not. He's learned he's not. because someone's had a word with him or he stepped back and looked at it or both. And but I, he doesn't yeah. do that yet. Yeah. And I think that this is something that I haven't got the, I haven't checked every single X great, but I think it's something that's easily doable for for players who were greats. I think it's probably one of the reasons why Thierry Henry's management struggled, career different. Yeah. yeah, he struggled yeah. because I think that it can be hard for people like that to to understand why people can't do the things that they can do. Yeah. Or, you know, with, with Gerard or Lampard, why I'm they can't play with the same desire that they did or something, you know? I'm only laughing because of the, uh, the Sidlow uh, interview I mentioned with uh, Ronaldo. Mm. When Ronaldo's talking to like one of the strikers at his club and going, listen, like, 
you had a one-on-one, you should have done this and gone round. And the guy just stops and smiles and goes, yeah, but you're the phenomenon. Like, <laughs> that's what you do. And I think it's <laughs> the thing with, you know, Gerard would have looked at the adversity and thought, oh, this is how I dealt with it. Let me project that same, you know, let's, it's all about accountability. Mm-hmm. I was bad. I hold myself to account. But sometimes you can kind of, um, you can spiral. I had a friend, of, I have, I've, got, I've got a good friend who tells me this and he says, look, whenever you're like stressed out about something, he says, obviously deal with the problem, but don't spiral. And I think there was an element where Gerard was kind of, you know, spiraling. You read Gerard's autobiography where he talks about his self-doubt and it's just, you don't need the psychodrama actually. No, actually, no, no, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to. And it's just not, not, it's not knocking Gerard. It's like, actually, I don't think actually a lot of the psychodrama helped Gerard even as a player, I think actually there's another level he could have gone to even further if he didn't have so much worry, right? He could cut yeah. that out. And I think, I think like, as great as he was, I think there were times when actually he took on so much responsibility. That I think the excessive worry sometimes did for him. You look at that, you know, not to bring it up too much, but the game against Chelsea, the second half, when he's trying to like score goals and get back into it, which is heartbreaking because it's a classic example of like, you're worried, you've broken something you're trying to fix. You don't need to do so much to fix. And I think with Villa, actually, the sad thing for Gerald, the tragedy, I think it is a tragedy, is there wasn't as much to fix on a man management side as he thought there was. Maybe tactically he would always have fallen short. But here's the thing. You look at the job that his number two did in that first game. Mm. Aaron Danks got them playing with freedom. Oh my God, imagine, that was so good, man. Well, imagine, imagine a Gerard just listening a bit more to the assistant staff in terms of Boss, give them a bit more freedom. And when they're like slipping up, just go a bit easy on them. How, who knows how different it was because they were, go, they were this, was a, this was a group of players who were really ready to buy into his ideas. Mm. But when you're kind of um, publicly criticizing them like that, it's not that you're hanging them out to dry. It's just that you're exposing them in a sense to, um, everyone knows the team is in transition, but everyone knows Villa's a big club. Everyone knows the expectation is there. And if you're kind of not pulling together like that, then you're not giving time for your own ideas to take root, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, anyway, yeah. I know there's no rule by, you know, in terms of developing as a coach, but I do wonder whether sometimes these legends in inverted commas, whether sometimes they could benefit by being an assistant for a season or two somewhere. You're sitting around at those tables with coaches from different like levels of the club and you're, you're just in the mix. I yeah. think it's really important. Because also, but then also I think that you just, there's some of the stuff that you learn from that. Like, I, I don't know, like if Gerard had been Klopp's assistant for a season or something, that would have been I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, because of this, there'll be certain things he'll pick up and be like, oh, that's how you solve problems. Yeah. Bar that early honeymoon period where it was kind of like, okay, he gets the size of the club. Yeah, he's probably, this whole career path leads to him taking over at Liverpool. That's what he, everything has been, has been set up for. That's, that's the ultimate goal. But actually, I don't think that was the best thing in hindsight. I don't think that that openness to take over at Liverpool at some point was was the best thing because it looked at it made Villa look like a stepping stone. And I think that some of the decisions that then got made, or some of the behaviour or the words that Gerard would do in in interviews or whatever, the Mings thing's a prime example this season. Yeah, yeah. Just it made you kind of feel like okay. Maybe he doesn't actually really give a shit as much as we think. Well, the problem with the Mings thing was it just felt like an unnecessary, well, no humiliations are necessary for one thing, but it felt like an unforced error. Yeah, I agree. You know, and and things like that, you look at it and just think, that's disappointing. It's the kind of thing which obviously, you know, Klopp cares about Gerard and would be watching that and thinking, you look at Klopp, you look at managers around the league watching Gerard, there'll be a ton of things they'll say privately about, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have... um, 
done that or done that. And a lot of it would go down to an experience. And the question really, I suppose, is what the next step is for, for Gerard. Like, yeah, because it's difficult now. You can't be an assistant now. It's very hard to go be a number two. So you need to stay on the managerial track. Otherwise you'll kind of fall off the kind of the radar. So then you have a difficult situation about what do you choose next? Because Villa gave him a huge amount of financial backing. I, I still maintain they bought well. I think that the, the release of Carney Chukwemeka will be something they regret. Yeah, I, agree. I think they'll, they'll regret that badly. I, I, I looked, I didn't like that at the time. I think you keep, you build around Ramsey and Chukwemeka over the next few years. That, in, in my opinion, just because those players are they're interstellar. Yeah, Douglas Luiz in there as well, who is no slouch. I mean, that midfield three eventually over time is something. But again, even the players they have there are really special to start it. Um, so yeah, like Villa really, Villa as a club can look back and be like, that we put money into this squad. It's a good squad. I think it's a really good squad, actually. They can play great football. I think Coutinho's best is still to come. And he started well there. So yeah, let's see how it goes. And so Villa, I think will be fine. I think actually Villa have less to worry about than Gerard at this immediate point because he got a big, big opportunity that a lot of people would have gladly taken and it went sideways for him. And now I think, you know, the next move, it's... Oh, it's, it's so yeah, key. It is key. It's so key, man. I don't know where it's going to be. I think it's almost a question taking a little bit of time out, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I think a, f- a few months out, not too, not too much time out, but just some time out. And I think take some time out and then just go around a few training grounds and just get some knowledge, just sit down with some managers, maybe do a bit of like, just sit on some training, come in on some training sessions, you know, just go back and do the circuit again. Go and, go and get some feedback from people you really respect, I think, mm. at this point. I think the next few months just need some conversations. I had a couple of questions. One from Stokesy84, realistic or not, what manager would be the best fit for Villa? Holly Balleen said, who do you think is best placed slash would be good to take over at my beloved Aston Villa? Would someone like Pochettino or Tuchel be an unrealistic aim? I think yes at this point. I'll tell you why. Yes. Their trajectory. Yes. Tuchel has to stay on that. Tuchel has to stay in the Champions League uh, orbit. And I think Poch does too at this point of his trajectory. I think they have to stay in that orbit. That's not knocking Villa at all. I think they're both holding out for the the Juve gig. I think, yeah. Right, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'd like to throw a name in the mix. And it's actually linked to a question from the Tosi. I go for it. There is a certain manager who is out of contract very soon and has announced that he will be leaving the club. The Tosi's question is, where should Marcelo Gallardo go to next? What do you think would be a good fit for him? Brazil, MLS, or Europe? That is... Whoa. I don't whoa. hate that, you know. I, I love that. Is, is, is Villa, at this point of its trajectory... Is it in the right place for him? Is, is, is Villa in the right orbit for him? Because he's like coach at that level, you know, River Plate for years has been unbelievable for them. Unbelievable. And I wonder if it's the right entry point for him. If he might not think, I want a team. I do agree. Does that, that's my one thing I, I would do, say. Because no, I totally agree. I wonder whether he might take some time off after, mm. and, you know, eight years at River Plate, right. everything they've won. I mean, he deserves a bit of time off. He's unbelievable though. Yeah. I think you could look at like a Lopetegui, for example. Yes, maybe. But I'm not sure Lopetegui takes a Premier League gig, though. Tough. I mean, I, I just think that if you look at like the work he did with players like Valverde, early era Valverde, where he really put him on and really believed in him, there's so much 
he develops players in a way that is quite exciting. I think if you look at like, the brilliance of the youth coming Lopetegui through Villa, be fun, man. That's I think I think he's I think Lopetegui would be a fit from within Europe that I really would like to see. And Villa are going to win the twenty twenty six Europa League. Oh my god! Dude. Imagine if Villa just became a, a club that just <laughs> regularly won or got to the semis. Or the, wouldn't you just love that for them? Yeah. If he makes Villa into Sevilla, Sevilla. If he makes them into like... The Sevilla of the Midlands. Dude, that is not a bad... Okay, Lopetegui, I'm calling it. I'm speaking it into existence. There you go. Lopetegui to Aston Villa. Oh um, my God. And then working with Danks as the number two. He just oh comes in and just keeps... He just comes in and just keeps the staff as they are. Sorry, like, but no. Lopetegui and Danks sounds like the baddest dancehall duo. <laughs> it sounds incredible. Doesn't it? <laughs> Lopetegui and Danks. It's perfect. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, now I'm excited. Now I'm All excited. Right. Well, on that note, let's take a great break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Uh, we went long on that bit, so we've got to be super quick. We're just going to do yeah, a quick yeah. roundup. Um, mm. WSL this weekend was kind of pretty, kind of as you'd expect. Man City beating Spurs three 0 Everton beating Villa one 0 which was a, a good result for Everton. And then um, on Sunday, Arsenal beating Liverpool two uh, nil. Leah Volti said she didn't know how to celebrate because she scored, and she's not used to scoring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manchester United being Leicester. Uh, West Ham beating Reading 3-2. It was a great game, that. And Chelsea beating Brighton 2-0. Um, but we want to talk about the Frauen Bundesliga because it was a massive game this weekend. Yeah, massive game with a massive crowd. Um, yes. 20 odd thousand yes. in the Wolfsburg Arena. The Volkswagen Arena, sorry. Um, yeah, so 20 odd thousand watching Wolfsburg beat Bayern 2-1. That was, it was 6-0 in the previous incarnation. But mm -hmm. this time... Bayern came ready. Dalman was brilliant uh, again. Um, Pop was a protagonist. Uh, and they were good value for the win, Wolfsburg. They were really good value. And this is, it's weird to have, and this is, of course, not a league decider, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly a pace-setting result. It's certainly a pace-setting result for Wolfsburg this early in the season. I mean, they're five points clear of Bayern now, which is yeah. massive after five games. Um, just two Bayern points clear of the depth. Bayern are the only club with the depth to match, I would say. Well, we'll have to see. But, but so far, by another club that look like they have the depth to match Wolfsburg over the course of the season. Bear in mind that Wolfsburg started with Brandt and Jonsdott here on the bench. Yeah. That's how good they are. Yula Brandt came on in like the 90th minute. I was just like, 
This is just some flexing now. It's wild, yeah. It was, yeah. And yeah, you look at this team, actually, it's very much like they're doing their apprenticeship. Mm. Brandt and Jan Dottier, they're easing them in because the, the three they started behind Payor is basically Pop, Pop, again, playing a different position, like inside left, yeah, which yeah. is amazing. Pop, Hoot, and Rod yeah. behind Payor. And it's kind of like the senior, the senior players just getting the job done, mm. but they're going to ease in the younger ones over time. Like it's so clear, like Hoot's going to be taken over from by Jan Slotir eventually. Yeah. Brandt's going to come in and occupy either like a withdrawn position or just an out and out. And they're really managing the succession well. Mm. Like it's really interesting. Like you know, a lot of top teams don't get the succession right, um, mm. but they seem to have managed it really well so far. Stay, should we stay in Germany? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the men's Bundesliga. Absolute chaos kicked off on Freitag Abend with uh, Mainz beating Köln 5 0, which is just like. Just, Where'd that come from? A, yeah. Such <laughs> a Bundesliga result, man. It's just like this ah. league sometimes. I, I don't know why we bother. I don't know why we bother, honestly. <laughs> just like, I'm trying to find a pattern. There's no fucking pattern. There's no pattern. I, I, I know all of our data. Listeners are just like Ryan. There's always a pattern. Yeah, and all the physics. You're like, is it, was it, I call, was it like a quantum league where you observe it and it starts doing different things? <laughs> I wish I was good enough at science to draw the analogies I want to. I must yeah, say that. me too. Yeah. Oh, look at this guy, everyone. Okay. Oh, I wish I, was, I wish I could make better analogies. Says the analogy king. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by Leverkusen drawing with Wolfsburg on Saturday. Uh, Dortmund beating Stuttgart five 0 it was a good result for Dortmund because they needed some goals. Yeah, Bellingham more, went big in that. Two, yeah. two more for Bellingham. I mean, he's just so fucking good, man. Yeah. And uh, another one for Makoko. And Gio Reyna scoring. Yeah, I'm glad that he's back, man. I liked his uh, post-match interview with, with Jude. Did you see this? No, I didn't see it. Didn't Where it? someone asked Gio what Jude could learn from him. And Gio Reyna, bear in mind they're the same age, right? So funny. They're both 19. And he was saying stuff like, Oh, you know, he can learn to be respectful and uh, <laughs> like <laughs> this kind of stuff. Like he was oh a wise gosh. old owl. That's hilarious. Like, That's you know, because he gets, sometimes he gives it the big and a bit and that kind of stuff. That's like, so this funny. is fucking unbelievable. Oh my God, that dressing room was so much fun. They're just good boys, man. They're good boys. They, they must, they must miss Holland in there. They must. I know. I, do you know they what? I, I know he's probably having a lovely time, but I also, I think he's still in the group chat. Holland. Oh, definitely. No, yeah. definitely. I reckon he, I, would get, I reckon he gets absolutely ripped as well. Yeah. Uh, like for, not, for not scoring a hat-trick. I reckon he gets ripped for that. The most Bundesliga game of the weekend, though, was Augsburg-Leipzig. Augsburg were 3-0 up against Leipzig <laughs> after 64 minutes. And then uh, Leipzig got a goal back through Andre Silva on the in, in the 73rd minute. And they were like, nah, any other league? Just a consolation. <laughs> Bundesliga, it's an invitation. Oh. <laughs> any other league, it's a consolation. In the Bundesliga, it's an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> did you do a song for the Bundesliga why don't you do that next one yeah. you know MF Doom started singing like and it was yeah. really like you're MF Hun that's what you are <laughs> dude like every Saturday I wake up and I look at the fixtures and I'm just like looks like it's gonna be a great day today a great day today <laughs> <laughs> you're hilarious today you're actually hilarious I think you're I actually... had well, I don't know why it's to be Manchester man in the motherland <laughs> Should anyway, I've extended this story. Spoiler alert, it was thrill. It was. But uh, anyway, Freiburg beat Werder Bremen 2-0. Uh, Bayern beat Hoffenheim 2-0 away. Eintracht Frankfurt beat Gladbach in the top spiel der Woche 3-1 on Saturday evening. 
And then Sunday, league leaders Union lost 2-1 to Bochum. That's a great mm. result for Bochum. And Hertha beat Schalke 2-1. I want to say this very quickly about Union. They're going to get everyone's best game now. Yeah, they are, man. This is the thing. This is not to knock them. It's just that Bochum kind of did an Union in terms of like targeting them, set pieces, like compressing the play, closing the lines down. Union is the very, very good side. And I think now it's the thing of being the, as, you know, as the great Storms, he said, as, as the great poet said before him, you know, heavy lies the crown. Oh, man. Heavy is the head, you know. And I think people just come for Union with a bit more intensity. I wouldn't be too down as an Union fan for losing to Bochum because we've seen them get big results against big teams in this league before. Mm. We've seen this happen before. They did it to Bayern. So, you know, it's, it won't be the first time they turn over someone a bit higher up than them. And um, just quickly on the uh, Dortmund-Stuttgart game, something quite interesting happened. I was, telling, I was talking to someone about it uh, on Sunday. Just as a, as a, I think we didn't really mention it. There've been um, too many chants about Hillsborough in the last few games. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And one, once is too many. The reason I wanted to say that is just because I just don't, I don't want to give any of that air because it's so gross. I just don't mm. really want to talk about it. I don't think yeah. you, that is not something you should be singing about. And especially not uh, as part of, a, as, as, you know, as fans of a club who were in that fixture, mm. you know? Someone, um, made a great, someone made a great point. Someone said this is especially painful because, but for sheer luck, that could have been Nottingham Forest fans at the yeah. end, yeah. you know? And it happened in the City game. Um, some fans were making those chances as well. And it happens quite a lot to Liverpool. But what I wanted to talk about was like, if you look at the, one of the great things about the Bundesliga on the whole is the relationships between fan groups from different clubs. Mm. Yes, sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes it's not great, but it was a really good example of this this weekend where um, uh, Matt Ford wrote a good tweet just summarising it. According to local police and uh, Stuttgart fan liaison staff, around 300 ultras were stopped by police after marching through Dortmund ahead of kickoff. They had their details taken and they were ordered to leave the city. This is just before the kickoff or on the day of the game. And then in the Sioux Tribune at Dortmund, where all the ultras and fan groups are, um, there was a banner which said, basically, you get up early to go to the game, but then aren't allowed in the stadium. Freedom for away fans. So Dortmund home fans showing solidarity with Stuttgart away fans who weren't allowed in the stadium and got oh, told to go home. That's great. And I think that I would love to see a little bit more fan solidarity um, across the board, but I just thought this was a good, no, a great good example. Because it's just rare that you would see something like this in England, actually. It's a great shout. Yeah, absolutely. And I think these just bring an end to these chants. Like, they don't need them. Like no. Klopp said this before, it doesn't help us. No, it doesn't. It doesn't it's help. Like, How's that do? positive? How does, yeah, how does that? It's, it doesn't help your team. And like, it's just, it's just, well, it's, it's about, just it's about, don't it's do about it. those groups of individuals yeah, it is. getting off on that. It's not done. It's not for the benefit of the club at all. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a whole, it's, it's, it does a rep, the reputation of the club no good. Right. And it's, 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 yeah, it's bad. And anyway. to be honest as well, let's just say this as well. I'd be frustrated as a Forest fan wanting to enjoy this win over Liverpool because it's, they've had their transition, difficult time. Yeah. And it should be all about the Forest win over Liverpool. I agree. But these clowns have made it about them. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple of quick things before we round up. We need to. We, we're going to swerve most of this stuff for this week, but let's quickly talk. Uh, Druba says, "How high is the seeding for Feli, Fede Valverde? Who's got another, oh another absolute worldie on the weekend? I know, I know. A um, just end to end. The Fede Valverde origin story started. He's amazing. Down He's Alvaro amazing. Morata. <laughs> yeah. <Dark. laughs> that would that, for a lot of people that would have been like." record scratch moment and for him it was his origin story and he's it just was. been he's been unbelievable this season another great goal uh, Real Madrid winning that game 
on the weekend. Um, Modric having fun in the final third is always bad news for any opposition. So he got the opener. Yeah, Valverde's ceiling is, like, like I said, he's the modern day Luis Enrique. Mm. That's how high his peak is. The modern day Luis Enrique will continue winning, will be part of a really exciting Uruguay team for years. They've got Araujo as well already, um, who's a spectacular player. Um, so they've got, and Darwin, obviously Nunez up front. Mm-hmm. They've got a lovely side, uh, Uruguay. So yeah, he's going to be a regular fixture in Ballon d'Or top, what, top 20s? The next few years, he's just that good. Lovely player, just a great energy, great humility. And a very Real Madrid player. In the same mm. way, Rodrigo de Pal is such an athletic player. Valverde is such a Real player, like doesn't care who gets the stats, goals or assists, but gets the job done. He's only scoring goals because he has to score goals. If he was told to stop scoring goals for the next five seasons, he'd be like, yes, boss. Yep. That's why I love him. There's a good room for Real Madrid, that, because they were without Karim Benzema, who's injured after the midweek yeah. game. Uh, but there was a lovely moment before the game in the tunnel. Did you see this? Uh, Ancelotti having a chat with Isco. <laughs> um, there, was, oh, there was something else. Sid, Sid Lowe mentioned it where they were, uh, some of the rail players were warming up and Isco sent a corner and they were like making jokes behind his hands and he was like giggling. So they were like cute. teasing him. I, lo- I love that so much. So I cute. love that. Um, elsewhere in La Liga... Uh, Real Sociedad lost their first game since the 11th of September away at Valladolid. They lost 1-0. Valencia lost at home to Mallorca. That's a great result for Mallorca. 2-1. Um, Real Vallecano beating Cadiz 5-1. Mm. And um, a good result for Barcelona on Sunday night beating Athletic Club 4-0. Great performance. Probably one of their best performances of the season, I think. Yeah. So far. Dembele just on fire. So good. Uh, Villarreal beating Almeria 2-1. Uh, Girona also seen a one-all. Atleti being Betis 2-1. Good win there. Away. That's Cup a great of win. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And Espanyol LJ 2-0. Slightly concerning, Gavi looked like he was not in a good way. Went off mm. just after half an hour. Took a nasty knock in that mm. game. Um, haven't seen anything about that, but hoping he's all right. Yeah, yeah. Sergio Roberto as well. Looks like he'll be out for a while. The dislocated left shoulder. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, all right, before we go, let's use this from let's use this question from Pete Bashini. Yes. While Serie A's results this week felt slightly corrective, but still chaotic, unfortunately for my beloved Atalanta, what were your big takeaways from this from Italy this weekend? And I would like to nominate Jose Mourinho spotting who who hipped us to this. It was really amazing. Let me find it. Uh, Matt J. Um. Uh, so I think it was at the end of this game <laughs> where uh, Rick Karsdorp goes over to the referee about something. It's kind of all kicking off about some shit. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Um, this was wild, actually. This red card was wild. This whole, it was awful, really. And Jose Mourinho comes in and the ref has got the red card in his hand and he just looks and just goes, nope. Turns I want no part. Yeah, he knows. Up. And this, I think, is proof that Jose Mourinho, that's real growth. 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 That's growth. Real it's growth. Mourinho. It's growth. I mean, that, that whole red card was just an awful, well, that was an awful, needless, like, you know, shoving a referee after the final whistle. So stupid. It was needless. It was needless. And the thing, this was, this game was, it was brilliant. It was so good. And again, it's the kind of game that Napoli didn't win last season. True. Yeah. Olympic Stadium, nil-nil till late. They just don't find a late winner. And the way they were creating chances in this game, Osimhen missed a really good chance, flashed it wide at the far post where he really should have scored. And I thought, I kind of thought it was done for them. Mm. And the finish he comes up with then, after, after an outstanding game in all other aspects, like his ability, his touch, everything was superb. His vision, his movement, 
It was superb. He was missing the finish. And the goal that he scores breaks wide on the flank, sees Smalling, shoulders him off the ball, and then just rips a shot across the keeper. Oh, across Patric- Patricio had been on form this match. Rips across Patricio into the top left corner, or the side netting, really. 1-0. And I, I was so hyped in my flat, I basically like <laughs> jumped out of my seat and wow. almost yelled until I realised, I was like, Miss, you're not in a crowd. Like, I was that hyped by it because it was, it was Ossiman's moment. Three goals in three games um, since returning. Raspadori has been brilliant as well. So now they've got real firepower. And the thing about Napoli is it's the depth. Yeah, man. And Domble almost earned a penalty. Like, they've got, like, really good players. Well, also, he got a penalty and they got, over, it got overturned. Overruled, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the other player I want to shout out as well, just very quickly again, Zielinski. Yep. He's gone to a different level this year. So good. He's gone to a different level. So, yeah, really, Napoli just... Um, They've, they've had the spectacular, but also they've got a thing they do where they've got the spectacular play, right? But what's amazing about them now is even when they're controlling games in the late stages, they don't throw everything forward for the second goal. The way they get the ball into the final third is so clever, so inventive. They somehow manage to do it while maintaining defensive shape and prizing teams open higher up. Mm. So they've really got a thing that Spalletti wasn't given credit for, I think, early in his career. And to be fair, maybe didn't fully manage in Serie A. Yeah. They've now got the ability to create chances from winning positions and break teams down in a really mature way. So yeah, really excited for them uh, again. And we need to do a bit of Serie A one episode. I think maybe let's do it in two weeks when it's the, the Derby della Arquanga, <laughs> Napoli, Atalanta. Oh no. Yeah, that is absolutely my happy place. Yeah. yeah. But uh, just quickly, four go- uh, Juve, Milan and Inter all scored four goals this weekend. Uh, Inter, absolutely unbelievable game against Fiorentina. We should have talked about it. Jovic with the 90th minute equaliser for Fiorentina. Yeah. And then Mkhitaryan with a very, the very late fifth minute winner. Oh my God. Can I say this as well? A quick shout in this game, because it will get lost, I think, in a lot of it. Jonathan Ikone in this game was spectacular. He was interstellar. So 24 years old, um, came over from Lille, uh, and he was brilliant. Like, Inter Fiorentina gave me all my vitamins. And also, Latar Martinez is peaking. He's peaking just in time for this tournament the World Cup. So yeah, really excited for him and for Argentina, not so much for their opponents because he is going to give them a really... Messi must be loving this. Hey, Messi and Mbappe look pretty good on Friday night as well. Yeah, good yeah, yeah. Grief. So, good Lord. Good Lord. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Um, we should probably leave it there. Yeah, let's do it. Let's bounce. We hope everyone's staying safe. Staying well. Don't forget to check Rice House on Tuesday with Musok Wonga and Florence Lloyd Hughes, aka the Axis of Chaos. <laughs> I love that. Axis of Chaos. I'll take that. Uh, Stadio will be back on Thursday and uh, in the meantime don't forget to check theringer.com and check the Stadio Actress playlist on Spotify we're playing out on Melody Beecher the dub version of Careless Whisper so good anything you want to add Musa I think since you've been singing so much this podcast I'd just like to wish you all peace, love and harmonising yeah it's been a joy actually I really enjoyed this all podcasts but this one in particular Oh, yeah the mix of uh, Mr. Sing and Comedy has been quite a joy on a Monday. All right, everyone, much love. We'll be back up with you on Thursday. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.